0: In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 10 for today. So, you were probably wondering why there was uh, lovely chocolate chip cookies on the screen. So, when I was in high school, I uh, increased my interest in cooking right my mom was kind of the primary cook when i was growing up as a teen but when i got into high school i had the opportunity to take what were called electives and these electives gave me the opportunity to kind of dabble into different creative uh, interests and that included cookery so within i believe it was my junior senior year of high school i took american and international cookery and while I really love savory foods, right? I like, you know, fried rice. I like mashed potatoes. I like all, all types of good things. I have a huge sweet tooth, right? And, and this is an example of one of my favorite uh, desserts. My mom never really baked cookies when I was a kid. Um, we always just kind of bought them, right? It was easier to do so. But then I had like genuinely baked cookies and I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Now, one thing you have to know, and I mean, you might be familiar with this, But one particular term that I became familiar with while I was in the process of learning baking is what are called binding agents. Okay, binding agents. Uh, A binding agent is a term that's used outside of also cooking and baking, but within baking, binding agents are ingredients that can help a mixture hold its shape and remain bound together right it falls apart so when making a traditional cookie right we have things like flour okay which is a binding agent salt which adds flavor baking powder sugar but then you have other binders that are also very important okay and that's why sometimes they ask you to mix these ingredients separately there are things like eggs and milk or butter and sometimes if you can't have you know, eggs or butter, you can substitute with bananas or something that brings it together. Applesauce, I saw, as one binder, right? And not only that, you have to have enough of that binder, right? If you have too much flour, you can get a cookie that ultimately turns very dry and breaks apart when you uh, are finished baking. And it can be quite discouraging when you're baking and, and you have to throw away a batch of cookies because you didn't do it the right way or you didn't have the right binders. Now, within 1 Corinthians 1, we have a similar situation occurring within the parts of the church. We find a church at Corinth, right, that is really falling into pieces. Um, And while we know that they know Christ, they know of Christ, these are professing believers, right? Much like some of you here. They are failing to recognize how he is the solution to their problem. To continue the illustration from baking, he's the binding agent which is missing from this recipe. And they're not willing to acknowledge the need for him because they are caught within their own division. And so as we examine 1 Corinthians 10, and we're going to go to verse 17 within that section that's 17a, we will see how Christ is ultimately our unifying leader. Their unifying leader, our unifying leader, Christ is our unifying leader. He is the only one who enables us to hold together as one body. So let's read 1 Corinthians 10. We're going to go to uh, verse 17a, so just the first half. This is God's word. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptize none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus, but beyond that, I do not know whether I baptize anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. God, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word and that we would be much encouraged and edified in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we dive into these uh, scriptures, I want thought it would be really important to provide some context for our time. And these are, again, if you're taking notes, these are some things that you can jot down. What's really nice about the letters that Paul writes, um, and we see this within letters, is that... A lot of the context we can find directly from Scripture, right? We don't have to look elsewhere. We don't have to look at commentaries. We can just look at the Scriptures. And so we see that within the first verse, we understand who the author is. It says in verse 1 that Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. And then the audience is then in verse 2, right? Very, Very popular greeting, kind of to intro a letter. And you can see this all throughout the New Testament, and the letters that Paul writes. It says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those in every place, who, are, who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. And the location that we find ourselves is the city of Corinth, which is mentioned in verse 2. And just a little bit of context about, again, Corinth at this time, it's it's in Greece uh, on the Isthmus uh, between the Aegean and the Ionian seas, as you can see kind of in the picture. And Corinth was the capital of the Roman province, Achaea, And it was very prosperous, but it was also known for its immorality, right? Very, if you wanna say, kind of a ancient version of modern America of sorts, right? Very prosperous, very well-known, but very immoral. And the date that we have, again, scholars kind of roughly place this around 53 to 55 AD, again, which is approximately 30 years or so, I'm sorry, 20 years or so after Christ's death and uh, resurrection and ascension. And so this is during Paul's second mission journey from Athens and we read about this within uh, Acts 18. Okay, so again, what's really nice about providing context guys, and this is something that I know when I was a teen I just didn't care about this stuff as much. I wasn't like a history person like ah, oh, who cares about this. It's because this Scripture is not pulled from the contents of reality, right? The scriptures are pulled from what was real at the time. It, it existed. It wasn't just fictitious fairy tales, right? So this context while it doesn't seem like a big deal is meaningful for proof that the scriptures are uh, what they say so we're going to dive into the the kind of the main theme which is Christ being our unifying leader we're just going to look at three points uh, that kind of break down each section and these are kind of what we're going to be looking at the first is the point of the division which is happening within the church Uh, the second is the point of the initial argument that Paul is trying to make just within this section and he further goes into argument later in the in the book and then finally the point of his mission. Okay, so point of the division, point of the argument, point of the mission. Now, we're going to examine uh, for this first section, verses 10 through 12, but we're going to skip and go to 11 first, okay? So according to verse 11, as we read, there was a report uh, from a group of people associated with a woman named Chloe. And the scripture says that people within the Corinthian church we're quarreling, right? Quarreling, just another term for bickering, arguing, there was strife, contention. People are not getting along, okay? And what was the reason? Well, it's great. The scripture tells us, right? Verse 12 tells us that it appears that there were factions building, okay? Okay, he says, what I mean is each one of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, and I, or I follow Christ. And so, these divisive groups began to favor certain leaders in kind of a prideful arrogance. Okay, so let's look at the the leaders present. So Paul is the one who's writing this letter, right? He's the writer of this letter. People are saying, I follow him. Apollos is an evangelist. He's a friend of Paul, so people know him. He's a Jew from Alexandria in Egypt, and we see this also in the book of Acts 18. Cephas, right, is referring to the apostle Peter disciple of Jesus and then Christ obviously referring to Jesus himself now you might think to yourself for a moment right what's the big deal with these factions okay even the last one says well Christ like what's like that makes sense right wouldn't I be the one who said I follow Christ like these people follow men but I follow Christ you'd think that would be the right answer but the thing is each person who's declaring that they're following a particular person is doing so out of a self righteous prideful attitude right so even the last group that says i follow christ is kind of puffing their chest putting their nose in the air saying yeah you guys follow these people but we i follow christ like this is kind of super spiritual side to a de- that type of declaration right so it wasn't done in a way that said no genuinely like hey you and i were followers of christ we repent and believed not a humble declaration more of an arrogant we're above you okay in that type of way like I don't even follow any man I just I just follow Jesus and so each person is proclaiming this in pride now it's important to make a distinction teens and this is really important for us to know um, that on the basis of what they were disagreeing on it's it's wrong but it's it's not wrong for us to have preferences okay let's let's be clear about that right Um, preferences are different than sinful or divisive divisive favoritism, or kind of partiality, being partial or kind of favoring one person over another. Um, You guys can relate to this, right? All the time. Um, The idea of preferring certain people over others, you know, you guys uh, are involved in sports, so maybe you, you prefer one coach over another coach, or you prefer one doctor over another doctor, or a teacher, or a barber, and sometimes even family members, right? Yeah, you prefer to just spend time with maybe a particular family member, and, and, and that's okay, right? There's nothing wrong with preferences, right? I, when I go to get my hair cut, because I have to get my hair cut very soon, because Mrs. Sarita is really uh, starting to wonder uh, when am I going to get this and also this cut taken care of, right? Um, I, I will wait gladly for Jose for 30 minutes, okay? I will I will gladly wait for him because he knows how to cut my hair and give me a high fade, okay? Like that's I need I'll wait for him, right? They don't feel bad. The rest of the barbers are just hey, that's fine. Now, when preference becomes favoritism, partiality, it can tempt us to become divisive. And very dangerous, teens, right? Very dangerous. It's very sneaky. And this, the way that these uh, people at the Church of Corinth, it's very sneaky. They don't realize what's happening. This is especially important because within the church, as Paul makes it very clear, he begins appealing to them. Okay, so if you look back in verse 10, he says, I appeal to you. So this is an urgent matter. This isn't just a matter of people having preferences. Why would he need to appeal if it wasn't urgent, right? He says and urges them to be unified. And he uses several phrases to describe that, right? So look back in in verse 10. He says that all of you agree that there be no divisions and that you be united in the same mind and same judgment. Now, teens, you might not follow the news that much, right? Again, when I was a teenager, I watched the local news. That's all I did when I was a teen. There were, the, amount of multi, um, the amount of media that exists now is not even close. Um, I had a smidgen of that. I didn't even have really a phone until like, I think I was in sixth or seventh grade, but didn't have internet, none of that stuff. And so it doesn't really take, though, much now in this age to recognize that this year of 2020 has been one that has... Sh- like strive to sow division among people. And we shouldn't be surprised when this occurs, right? We shouldn't be surprised when people bicker and and get angry at each other, even if it happens in your own own household, because the temptations to cause division have been present since the fall in Genesis 3, right? That's where we see the first bit of division between even Adam and Eve, where Satan came in and provided a, a lie that caused them to not be on the same page. So we have to be on guard of the spiritual side of things. Sometimes people wonder, like, they'll say these phrases, which I think they're, they're valuable, When people's like, what is happening in the world? Like, oh my goodness, 2020, like, this is terrible. How could this ever happen? We shouldn't be surprised, right? We have an age-old problem that has existed since Genesis. So we shouldn't be surprised when division happens. We have to be actually more cautious that we don't give ourselves over to it we should we should be more surprised that it doesn't happen more often because people are so prideful and all about self and we naturally seek to do what pleases us and so maybe you felt the temptation to disobey one of your parents over another right okay well my my, my, my we used to do this all the time If if my dad said no i'd ask my mom because my mom was willing to say yes more times than not. But teens, do you realize, again, that's like a silly example, but do you realize that by doing that, you are inadvertently sowing division between your parents? Because you are trying to get them to not be on the same page. And almost by pinning them against each other, even if it's a silly, very playful way, you are trying to get them to be at odds with decision-making, which they are called in Christ to be one flesh. They're called to be united. And so you might not think that's a big deal, but in, in reality, that, that could be a means of sowing division. And even though this is not related to leaders in the church, they are your spiritual leaders as parents within the small church, your, ha- your home, right? Maybe within the church, you're, you're more tempted to speak good of one church leader over another, right? Maybe you say, like, I like when this person preaches, right? I like when Mr. Etter preaches. I like when Mr. Reyes preaches. I like when Mr. Sarita preaches, Mr. Prowse preaches. Like, I like the way they lead. I like the way they talk. And that speaking, with, without knowing it, could cause people to stumble into, yeah, you know, I, I kind of like that. You're right, I like that too. This person's better than this other person. And sometimes we don't even realize it, that our preferences can stumble into divisive talk and so we have to be aware how those small temptations can lead into slow drifts of division. And, but Paul is saying, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I want to urge you teens, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we be united. Be on the same page. Check ourselves. Watch ourselves. And this leads to the initial argument formed by Paul in verse 13. So look back with me in verse 13. Beginning in verse 13, Paul asks a list of rhetorical questions. You might have heard that term, obviously, rhetorical questions. These are questions that someone asks without really expecting a response, typically because they know the answer. And Paul and the church of Corinth, they know the answers. Okay, He wouldn't be asking these questions the way he did if they didn't already know it, right? So. The first question you read in verse 13, is Christ divided? Now, you might say, like, what does that mean? What do you mean, Christ is divided? Like, into fractions? Like, you're picturing kind of like one-fourth, one-fourth? Like, no, no, no. Not, 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 it's, not a, it's not a math problem. It's saying, in other words, is Christ the leader of divided factions? Is he the leader of split groups of people, right? No, right? He's the leader of one body, right? Different members, one body. So one head, one body. Was Paul crucified for you? No. Right? Who was? Jesus was crucified for them. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. Okay? Scripture makes it very clear. Matthew, the Great Commission, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. No. If the church understands the scriptures at all, they know that the resounding answer is negative. Right? This is false. And so he thanks God that he was not even involved in baptizing certain people within the church, except a few, right? And so what if essentially Paul is saying, he's like, look, you're looking at the wrong person, right? You're looking at the wrong person. Your, your focus is off. Don't fixate on me. Don't fixate on Apollos. These things related to just who baptized you, why is that a big deal? Like, that's not the point. I was not even involved in the baptisms that you think I might have been involved in, and you're divided over and so now again, one thing that's really important teens and i, I don't want to miss this point these these uh these these people are being divided over this issue of baptism, who baptized him okay right like we had we had uh Stephen who just recently got baptized um and so that was with his father, right I was there. And if he just kind of went around and everybody here saying well you know like well mr sarita did my baptism it's like that's not the point (laughs) that's not the point you're missing the point right um now there is a difference though between uh that type of prideful boasting to show off to have this starstruck moment to idolize and elevate a person versus having a leader be imitation worthy right there's nothing wrong with saying you know, I look up to this leader in our church, right? 1 Corinthians 4, 6 reminds us, Four sixteen reminds us that we, Paul is urging people to imitate him as he imitates Christ or follow, follow him as, as, as he follows Christ. And so, but we have to do it with wisdom and not elevate a person where Christ belongs, right? You should not be looking at me the same way you look at Christ because I am not. I'm far from it. By God's grace, I am who I am, right? So don't ever think like, oh, well, you know, Mr. well, like, like, thank you so much, I appreciate that, but let it be done in a spirit of wisdom and knowing that, yes, I'm called to be a leader and have qualifications and and things that are worthy of the gospel and to not bring reproach on the gospel, right? Live in a manner worthy of my calling, yes. But we have to be careful to not attach ourselves to one person for a particular reason, whether it's because they baptized us or because they were our youth group leader or because, you know, right? Two reasons why we have to be careful to do this. Okay, teens, two reasons why. One, we can become unwilling to listen to other godly voices in our lives or accept anything from another person who is a professing Christian, right? If somebody else, now, you know, if, if somebody else was trying to correct you or trying to speak into your life, right? And you say, well, you know what? I, I, I don't really pay attention to leaders at Christ Community. I only pay attention to my parents. Okay, There's, is there anything wrong with connecting to your parents and attaching to what they're telling? Of course not. But they're going to want you to follow what the scriptures say and submit to leaders and then vice versa, right? If you're saying like, well, I, I, I'll, I'll listen to Mr. Sarita, but I, I, I don't know if I can listen to my parents. Well, that's not good either because they're calling you to obey and honor your parents, right? So there's this both and that needs to take place. We have to be willing to not just find ourselves in this divided stance and listen to other Christians, other voices that are willing to speak first and foremost, God's word. But then those who are trying to point us to God's word. The second reason we have to be careful is that we can become easily discouraged when the person that we're elevating disappoints us, right? Because, right, it can be great to say, oh, wow, I got baptized by this person. I really like this person teaching. I've been a part of youth group and Mr. Sarita's great. But if I act in a way that all of a sudden doesn't meet your expectations, it can almost make you feel like, oh, what am I supposed, what am I gonna do now? Like, what am I supposed to do? You know, like, you know, my my plan, my desire is to be a part of Christ's community as long as the Lord wills, right? But if I, if I left for some reason, like, oh my goodness, like the church of Christ's community doesn't all of a sudden fall apart because one person leaves, right? It is founded in the unifying leader of Christ's leadership first and foremost that we, I submit under, to urge you to submit under, right? We're all pointing each other upward, okay? And it just, I know for me, you know, when I was in my, when I was in church, and we, we, I went through so many transitions in leadership from the moment I was a teen to in college. In college, we had three pastors in five years. Three pastors in five years, that's crazy. And some individuals were so entangled, wrapped, and, and for good reasons, because they were imitation worthy, they were godly brothers in the face, but they were so attached to them that the moment that they broke it, almost like it took a piece of them. And our identity is not wrapped in leaders our identity is not wrapped in a person's one teaching or because someone baptized you or they had an event our identity should be wrapped in christ the unifying leadership of christ right that's how we can keep ourselves steady because ultimately we found ourselves on christ the rock and we'll never be disappointed because he always acts in perfect obedience to the Father. You'll never be disappointed, teens, when you look to Christ. Right? You'll never be disappointed. You might be disappointed in me. I might do some things or say things. I might not treat you the way I should on every basis. But Christ, he will. He will care for you. He will assure you that your greatest need, that being your soul, is secure. And so... We have to take advantage of, of other other people that are speaking into our lives and we have to cling to ultimately Christ so that we're not discouraged. We cannot give in to the divisive tendencies that say, hey, I follow Mr. Edder, I follow Mr. Sarita, I follow just my parents, oh I follow Jesus. Like, you know, we have to truly understand that we're meant to be of the same mind, the same judgment, not be divided over things like how the Corinthian church was divided over baptism. Christ alone is that unifying leader. And so this provides a perfect transition for Paul, right? One thing you have to know teens about like writing, okay? And and you guys probably know this, but everything in scripture is done intentionally, right? This is a real person speaking to real people. So he's trying to make his case very, very well, right? He's trying to make it well. So we're gonna move to point three, which is the point of the mission. Now, in the first half of verse 17, that's what we're gonna look at. Paul recenters the focus, right? Recenters the focus. He writes, and you can look with me, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, that's right. Let's preach the gospel. As the phrase goes, he tries to keep the main thing, the main thing. Okay? And that is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, this, this, last, um, this last point in this verse reminds me of when Mr., uh, Mrs. Sarita and I, we uh, have grill outs every once in a while. My, uh, Mrs. Sarita bought me a grill for Father's Day not too long ago. Well, not long ago, actually, at all. I've only been a father for a short period of time. Um, <laughs> so it was my first Father's Day gift, so excited, and it was around the same time as uh, my birthday. So she bought me this grill, and... When I grew up, ketchup and a bun was really sufficient for burgers, right? But that didn't cut it, and that never cut it in in Mrs. Serena's household, right? So they always, they brought out the buns. They didn't just bring out the buns. They toasted the buns, and they had red onion and tomato and lettuce and sautéed onions and everything. A little Dijon mustard, right? Like, I was not about that life when I was a kid. Um, I was such a plain person. Still a little plain, but... um, anyway the point is we do that now as as a married couple and now as a you know as a family but i want you to think for a second right we have all the fixings prepared i have all them ready to go right sometimes i'll throw in some chips right go to the store get some amish macaroni salad like that type of man so good but teens if i never take the burgers out to grill there is no grill out, there is no barbecue, we are having no burgers, right? There is no point to what I just accomplished other than a glorified hamburger bun, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's your type of thing, but even that I don't think would please a vegetarian, okay? The only reason why we prep all those fixings is for the the meat, it's all right, the hamburger, right? Otherwise, you have this bun that looks very fancy, but there's no solid protein, okay? Even vegans and vegetarians give in to substitute proteins that allow them to enjoy a burger, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <like, You> now, <laughs> you know no I'm not saying you guys are vegan. Okay. you guys are not vegans, no, no, those other people uh, <laughs> now. <laughs> that's right that's right that's right we, we thank god for the ability to eat bacon um from the context of these passages and the verse that we see here it's clear that christians are being distracted and divided we know that they're so fixated and allegiant to these leaders on the basis of baptism but they've forgotten the the meat of the gospel which brings everything together like the, the gospel's the reason they're getting baptized in the first place. Just think about that, teens. How silly is it that they're boasting about who's baptizing them when they realize, wait, wait a minute, they're forgetting. What was the reason you got baptized in the first place? Like, why are you bragging about who's doing it when you have to realize it's a response to who saved you? <laughs> like, it's a response to the more important thing. And this is why Jesus is our unifying leader, teens, Right? It's 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 our unifying leader. He is, and it's and keeping him the main focus of of our lives, right? Understanding that the response to the gospel and re- repentance and faith is why they're a church in the first place. Because many of you have disagreements, right? Think think about this for a second. I mean, th- this isn't the case for everyone here, but if you look around and just kind of take a glance at any given person in this room, there might be a lot of people you don't have things in common with. You might find people in this room when talking to them to be very boring, okay, and find no interest. But that's not the point. That's not the point, right? Because Christ supersedes preference. Christ and what he's done on the cross supersedes even your, man, I wish this person was kind of like this. No, 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 wait. This person is a believer. This person is saved. This person's a child. They've been adopted. They've been justified. Like, that means more in the grand scheme of things than the petty things that, very similar, these, 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 these believers are holding to, right? So we shouldn't give ourselves over to the divisive tendencies. We have to look to Christ who is willing to die for sinners in love and with a selfless mind like Christ, love one another and so this is this is the gospel teens right and again if you have not yet responded to the gospel i would just you know welcome you to that right this this is the most important question you're ever going to be asked in your entire life right um mr edder and i need to be faithful like paul to say okay We we didn't come here for mini golf socials. We didn't come here for hangouts at my place to watch a game. We didn't come here so that you can enjoy all this candy. That's not the primary reason we're here. We're here to preach the gospel. We're here to equip you with the gospel, right? That is why your parents are here. You can get this anywhere. You can get a lot of what we're offering here in terms of social time anywhere. You don't need to be a part of a church to get that. Go to any event or associated activity with school or what, right? You don't need that. We provide what only God offers in his word. And so I would just encourage you, right? I I want, I'm so grateful for the fact that we can form memories over this year. We're going to have a ton of good memories and laughs and fun, but I don't want it to be that these laughs stop here, right? We want laughs and good memories that continue throughout eternity, right? These are temporal, guys, right? Trust me, the most joy you're going to get is not going to be because you uh, got, you know, you, you got the best score at Shell's mini golf, okay? Or the fact that in the future, you might be like, oh, I have a license. Or the fact that you're in a relationship. That's not going to be the most exciting thing in the world, teens. It's Promise, it's you. Promise you. Promise <laughs> like... you. Um, so... Being, being in, in, in heaven with Christ, that is the, the best thing that we can look forward to. And eternal life can start now. Eternal life can start now. It's, it's not just simply a destination. It's uh, understanding, a way of, of life and understanding that you've been saved by God in Christ. So we're going to have time to, to discuss these things and pray. Um, but I would just ask you, you know, like to really be honest, be honest where you're at with the Lord. Have you repented, believed, trusted in his life, death, and resurrection, um, and his ascension? Have you truly done that? Um, Because I'm glad I can, and we can provide a lot of great times for you uh, in Christ's community, have great great fun. But my greatest joy, uh, and I think Paul would agree with this for the Corinthians and for the other churches that he's interacted with in the scriptures, is that they would be united in Christ, that they would find themselves in Christ and therefore the unity follows. So let's pray and then we'll have time to get into the discussion, okay? God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here. Um, We're so grateful for your word. We're thankful for the gospel. Yeah, these teens, um, they're so special. And all of them made in your image are um, just, it's such a beautiful picture of them being here. There's so many mixed messages from the world. Um, The world does not desire for us to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The world desires us to love the, the pleasures of this life. The things that we can see, the things that we can touch in this temporary, fleeting world, uh, they they distract us, God, from the truest pleasure we can have in you. So God, I pray for the teens here. They they wouldn't just hear the drone of, that's the gospel. Yeah, I know that. But God, that they would respond to it. And they would realize that that's the reason why we're here. That's the reason why Christ's community exists. And God, if, if they're, they are questioning or they feel the, the tug, the, the drawing from you, God, I pray that they would not let that go. Would they press into that, God? Help them to ultimately turn to you in, in faith, God. And thank you for being willing to die for them and, and take away the punishment that they rightly deserved. In eternity in hell, God, we're so grateful for the fact that you took the Father's wrath For those who would believe, God, we're so grateful for that. And I pray that they would be found in those, that number of those who believe. Bless our time as we discuss uh, with one another. May the relationships between these parents and teens grow stronger, more unified, because you offer the ultimate leadership that we need uh, as being the head over one body. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.